Hey everyone, this is Robert Jackson. Thank you for tuning in to the Station Square podcast. Um, thank you for everybody who's been, um, you know, staying safe and staying healthy and getting themselves uh, vaccinated during the in the midst of all these crazy times out there in the world. But um, today, um, since we are at nearing the end of the week, let's um, you know take back like let's just. Um, unwind, um, take a little backseat and just chill and just, you know, <laughs> have a cup of water and um, yeah, let's just have a nice little podcast here. So today um, I have another Evangelion actor who has been, who's worked on the original show. And um, yeah, he, here I have Mr. Shinji himself, Spike Spencer. So thank you very much for joining the podcast, my good sir. My pleasure. My pleasure to be here. So what do you want to talk about today? Oh, well, just, yeah, <laughs> you do not need to get to the, you know, let's get to the casualties. Like, um, well, I usually ask, how did you start so-and-so and so, but um, yeah, um, so when you were a kid, like when you were really, really young, did you know that like, were, did you always wanted to be an actor or did you have like other career like paths that you wanted to go into prior to starting? Well, you know, besides, you know, being an astronaut, a firefighter, uh, you know, the usual stuff kids want, or a dinosaur. I, I think I wanted to be a dinosaur. Um, oddly enough, I was always doing voices when I was a kid. I didn't know this. My brother told me uh, years ago, he said, dude, you've been doing this all your life. I was like, oh, cool. Didn't even know. So, um, but I didn't know I wanted to be an actor until... Um, I was in high school, but prior to that, I, I'd been in, you know, the typical stuff that kids do like in the Christmas play or, uh, you know, jump up on a chair and sing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer for the family, you know, whatever it was adorable and cute uh, at the time. And uh, so I just, I went to, uh, I was in, let's see where, I was in uh, Houston where I started all this stuff. And uh, I was a sophomore and I decided uh, I wanted to be a lawyer was what I was thinking at the time. And I said, you know, my dad said, well, you should probably take some, you know, acting classes some drama classes and stuff. You'll be performing and speaking and all that. I said, okay, cool. So I took a drama uh, as a sophomore in high school and I got the lead role in the first play I ever auditioned for. Uh, it was Charlie's aunt and it was an English accent, which I do many of them now, and I'm sure it was not a very good one at that time, but uh, I did it. And uh, the first night when the curtain went down and the applause went up, I was like, whoa, dude, I'm done. This is what I wanna do. And I knew it. So from then on, that was it. Um, and uh, yeah, that's when I knew it. I, I mean, originally I wanted to be a, a tennis player, by the way, um, it was right before I was a sophomore, I was in Oklahoma for a while and I was competing in USTA on the circuit uh, when I was, I think it was like 11th in the state of Oklahoma when I was 12 or something like that. And uh, yeah, but the family kind of broke apart. I went to Houston. So then acting popped in and I have been doing it ever since. Nice. So um, going back to the dinosaur part, which one would you want to be? Oh, T-Rex. Of course. I mean, of course. Who doesn't yeah. want to be the T-Rex? You know? Yeah. And what would you do if you were a T-Rex? I would eat. I would eat a lot. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm kind of like a T-Rex now. I eat a lot. I'm a foodie. I'm a chef. So. <laughs> cool. Um, so it's kind of like the Jurassic Park type of T-Rex, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Although I'd have lasers for hands instead. That'd be really cool. There you go. That'll work. Um, but um, what food have you been cooking up since you're, you're a chef, like you mentioned? Um, well, I've, I've been cooking for 30 years, but, um, I, uh, I cook for the family. Like last night I did a big stir fry Chinese with chicken and, and stir fried rice and all that. And like, uh, the, the night before we had steaks and, uh, sauteed green beans with hoisin sauce. And, uh, I do gumbo. Gumbo is my favorite, by the way. So living in Houston, being next to Nolans for all those years, I love Cajun food and I love making gumbo. Um, fried chicken, by the way, my favorite. If anybody asks, what's your favorite food? Fried chicken. <laughs> Follow probably right behind that with the prime rib. Oh, yummy. So yeah, oh, I can talk food all day long. I, I was just in uh, Australia for two years and I was, uh, I was in chef school down there because uh, I need to 
a student visa for us to stay in the country. We got stuck there uh, with COVID, long story, but uh, it's a fun one. And uh, yeah, so I was, I've been in chef school for the last year and uh, just stopped that a couple months ago when we came back home to the States. I hear well, very good taste. Um, my family it was originally from the South. So um, um, we had, so our taste, right. It could go from like fried chicken to Cajun gumbo, um, and yeah, just like good old Southern hospitality. And, um, and right now, um, I think we're both in LA. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think my taste, um, I kind of just been, I picked up, you know, their culture and tradition and started loving a lot of the Southern, um, you know, just some of the, the, you know, the food that they have down there, you know, just the Southern lifestyle. Like, yeah, heart attack on a pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like trust me, I I, yeah. I used to eat like McDonald's like every Friday. So how I'm still here and I'm yeah. still you know very active and I still am pretty there you go. still getting guns. fit and stuff. Yeah, so it's like I'm not stopping anytime soon. Just saying, folks. <laughs> so absolutely. Um, absolutely. Well, you know something I, I learned when we were in Australia. It was interesting because the one thing I could not get, well, there were several things we couldn't get down there, but one of them was bacon. And I love bacon. Bacon's like one of my favorite things. Two years, I had no bacon. They had, they have something that they call bacon and it's, it's not quite right. So since I've been here for three months now, I've eaten my body weight in bacon easily. <laughs> I've just been like, ah, I give it to me. And uh, Mexican food. Oh my Lord. They could not figure out, they don't know what salsa is. Seriously, they literally don't know what salsa is. They give you a bottle of sauce, like a, you know, like Tabasco or Cholula or something like that. And I'm like, that's not salsa. I, you don't have salsa in this Mexican restaurant, wink, wink. <laughs> and they're like, uh, no, we might, we don't, we, no, no, no. <laughs> it's like, all right. So yeah, I've been, I've had uh, some good Mexican food since I got back too. Nice. Um, the luxuries, I think that was the word I was trying to um, get at, I was trying yeah. to say earlier, but yeah. Um, oh yeah. And I've definitely been, you know, picked up on Italian, Mexican. Um, I mean, we have like, you know, the standard American food. I mean, I'm just saying I'm not, um, it's not like, you know, di I'm not dissing on like, you know, um, the food or like anything like that or how we eat here, but it's just kind of like, I just like to extend my taste to different, um, you know, different foods from different cultures, different um, ethnicities. So I'm just kind of like, I'm a guy who's just always like, but you know what? I like to try new things. If something sticks or if it doesn't, and well, at least I tried. So. Absolutely. Well, I've been, I've yeah. been around a lot, a lot of different parts of the world and I'm always fascinated by the food wherever I go. And that's, that's my thing. I would, I would love to have a travel food show and someday I may, we'll see. Who knows? But yeah, how was your um, little um, trip to Australia? Like, how was it like being over there? Because I know you've talked about the food, but um, yeah. What would you say, like, how, what was everything that you've enjoyed about it? Like from your time in the, from your time down under? <laughs> down under, yeah, mate. It's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I... Steve Irwin. <laughs> it's gorgeous, mate. Crikey. Yeah. I Rest love, I love Australia. I've been down there eight times. Um, I've been to every major city. I've driven all over it and um, it's absolutely wonderful. And this time it was, I was appearing at a convention there uh, in Melbourne and the Gold Coast called Supernova, which is one of my favorite cons ever. Uh, absolutely phen phenomenal. And so we went to Melbourne and then COVID started happening. People were like, this is March of 2020. And so things were starting to get, huh? I said, I recall because I know that you guys were at Melbourne right when it started happening too. I remembered that. Yeah. yeah. We were in Melbourne and uh, we left Melbourne, went up to the Gold Coast, which is just south of Brisbane, uh, which is a, a tourist Mecca. It's kind of like a, you know, Miami beach or something like that. And uh, we pulled in the day Tom Hanks said he had COVID and he was literally blocks away from us because he was filming in the Gold Coast. He's filming uh, the Elvis movie. And uh, so we were there. And then of course the whole world went, oh my God, Tom Hanks got it. Anybody can get it. 
you know? So I was like, all right, whatever. And uh, so everything started shutting down. Uh, we stayed there an extra week with uh, my wife's parents. They came down and uh, it just got started. Yeah, it's get, getting kind of weird and things were starting to close up. And then uh, they were canceling flights. Qantas was like, we're not flying at all. Uh, and so we had to get her parents on like one of the last flights out. And we made a decision uh, if we were going to stay there uh, because we were just like, you know what? Ah, we'll just write it out. We got three months on a visa. No big deal. Wrong. <laughs> uh, so everything shut down and we were there and uh, we had to extend the visa. We had to find a place to live. Um, and we just said, you know what? Here's what we'll do. We'll plan to stay here for a couple of years and see what happens. And the, that, that was when I started, uh, got the student visa because uh, that was the kind of the easiest way to, to do it. And I love cooking. So it was easy to do. And uh, so I got the student visa. I went to chef school and still did, you know, voiceover. I had a voiceover studio in my, uh, uh, in my closet, although we moved three times while we were there, uh, sometimes with very little notice. Uh, and we finally stayed in one place for a year. Uh, there, this is all in you know the Gold Coast area. And we were two blocks from the beach. I mean, it was phenomenally beautiful and cool, and the weather was perfect. Um, we made lots of friends, and we had a baby. So it's like, all right, nice. Yeah. So we came home with a little uh, a little boy, a little baby boy who's now nine months old, and uh, everything. It was just ah, God, I miss the beach so bad. I'm in Burbank now, so I'm like, oh man. I miss walking on the beach every day. That was really phenomenal. But we had to come back. Things things were going on. Then we needed to we needed to be here. So we'll travel again. I don't know where we're going to go next. Could be Costa Rica. Could be Portugal. Who knows? I mean, like the California beaches here. Like there's Long Beach, Redondo Beach, Huntington, Santa Monica. Um, those are nice. Um, I just really well, they're like beautiful. The they're also an hour or more to get to. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I like, I would prefer to be like someplace like, um, if there's one place I would really like to travel, um, it would be ho um, Hawaii. I would love to go to Hawaii someday and possibly I might meet Steve Bloom or Mary McGlenn since they just moved there recently. So who knows? Um, They're but on yeah. a big island. I, I've been to every, every island there except for Molokai and Lanai, I think. And um, uh, they're all great in their own way. I, I wasn't a fan of the big island though. So, but that's, that's what they are. The big island. Yeah. So what's the boy's name? Colton. Nice. <laughs> if you're listening to this Colton, hey. <laughs> um, your dad is on the podcast. So yeah. Anyways, um, do, 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 do. So going forward into your voiceover career. Um, so when you first got your um, start into the business, um, since you've been acting for a while. Um, so if you could recall, um, how was it like getting to do like when you go back to when you first started voiceover to your very first jobs? Um, how would you say like, were you nervous or how did it go for you when you first started out? Well, like anything you're you're first doing, you're going to be nervous. But I was trained. Uh, I went to the University of Houston and majored in drama, and um, so I was I was a trained actor. But the technical aspects of things, like I'm a trained actor, I've done theater and all this stuff, and then it's like here's a radio spot, microphone. Uh, oh, uh, what do I do with the oh headphones? Right, got that. Uh, and then they have this uh, they have this whole vocabulary and how they do things that you have to learn, just like learning how to dub, learning how to, uh, do animation, original animation, learning how video games work. It's all different. So when you go into it, yeah, it's a little, uh, uh so I did, I, I started out with radio spots. When you're in Houston, you do everything and you, you do on camera, you do training films, radio, TV, animation, anime, whatever there is, you're, you're going to do it. So you learn all aspects. And uh, that's where I started out. And I was actually, to get me into the dubbing side was I was doing a live action movie with Amanda Winley. And so we just got to know each other. And she's like, come on down and do this, you know, do some voice stuff with me, do this anime stuff. And I'm like, cartoons? Cool. She's like, not really. Um, I said, okay. Well, whatever. I said, does it pay? I'm there. Let's go. 
you know, it's work. It's I'm an actor. This is what I do. And um, I had never done it before. I had no idea what I was doing. And I went in there and I just did what looked right and nailed it. Got a gig and super atragon, my first uh, first show. And then, uh, yeah, stuck around for a few years and uh, just kept on going. Are you familiar with um, anime or animation? I mean, like everything that you're doing now that you're working on, were you fam- at least somewhat familiar with these? With uh, have at least some familiarity before you actually started working on them? The only familiarity I had was uh, Speed Racer and Ultraman. Oh, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. That's what I grew up on. And uh, of course, animation, uh, Masters of the Universe and... Uh, uh, Thundercats and, and Transformers and all that stuff, you know, everything was in the 80s. I, I'm watching it before I went to, to school, you know, and uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I knew I knew of it, but I didn't really think about it as a as a gig. I mean, I just I love doing voices always have and I find it fun and I'll, I'll do it until the day I die, I'm sure. So um, but, you know, it's like anything else. It's a it's a job. It's a career. Yeah, we're talking like the 80s stuff, like the action superhero, G.I. Joe, the the He-Man, Ninja Turtles, Transformers, that stuff. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was there when it all started, sons. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah, let's talk about um, what was it? There was like this one little show you were on. I think I said it earlier. Evo F whatever but yeah evangelion so um yeah let's talk about your little um history with this um particular um you know franchise so when you first started working on i mean like how was the audition process like and um how you booked the role of shinji and your overall experience working on the show well i so i i booked it like anything else i auditioned um and matt had uh he was like, yeah, I, I think I'd be good for it. He, he thought I'd be good for it. And it was an acting role like anything else. I mean, this is in the early days. Uh, so this was like my third or fourth uh, gig with AD Vision. And um, yeah, so I auditioned and uh, we you know, got it and off we went. And it was, so the thing that people don't understand is uh, things get done so quickly now. Like when they did the Netflix redub, they did it in like three months. You know, redub, all the episodes, the movies, just everything. They did all that stuff. Um, it took us two years to do the original series. And because we had to, it was on VHS tapes. What are those? Uh, VHS tapes that would record. Those are? Mail that. We had to mail that recording to Japan with all the handwritten notes on the scripts. And then it would come back, you know, weeks later. And then we'd go back, redo those. And then that episode would be done. And we'd have gone forward to do another one. But it took a, a long time to do all that. And uh, so it was a really interesting. And then later on, the, the other movies came, uh, Death and Rebirth and uh, End of Ava and the director cut something. So there were a few of those. And then that was it. I thought that was, you know, the end. Didn't really think about it that much. And then suddenly, boom, here come the, um, the rebuilds. And Here's the crazy thing. So the rebuilds, we did the rebuilds. That was done at Funimation with one of my favorite directors of all time, Mike McFarland. He's so funny. You will, milk will shoot out of your nose. He'll make you laugh so hard and you're not even drinking milk. I mean, that's how funny he is. Um, and we, so we did those. And then, you know, the fourth never came. It's like, where's the fourth? When's the fourth? When's the final? And ah, forever. And everyone has asked me always everywhere, do you know when the fourth one's coming? I don't know. Nobody tells me anything. I didn't know if I was even going to be in it. Netflix didn't want me in it. So um, (laughs) the rebuild, the final, the fourth one came out and I got an email with uh, a secret code name, something Skyrocket, something like that. And uh, I knew immediately what it was. And I was like, wait, what? And suddenly the next thing you get is a, uh, an email from, uh, was it Tiffany and Amanda? I'm like, did you get this thing for this thing? I'm like, yeah, I got the thing for the thing. Did you get the thing? I got the thing. We got the thing. We're doing the thing. It was really cool. And, uh, but I didn't realize we were going to do all three rebuilds again and then do the fourth. So Amazon did all four, all the rebuilds again, 
with all the original cast. And it was amazing. And this was all done in a closet in Pimpama, Australia. <laughs> nice. Um, because I know that um, when you guys did the Amazon Prime redubs, um, I know that everybody had to recorded their home studios because of the, I mean, of course we got the pandemic, um, but yeah, it's just amazing how it all just kind of came full circle, um, especially after all this time. So going from the original ADV dub to the Amazon Prime, um, I think there was like, I was recently watching, um, there was a couple of YouTube videos where um, it's kind of like, an evolution of a voice actor's performance as a specific role and um and listening to your performance back from the original adv dub and going forward to amazon prime you could just tell and just see like the amount of experience and just the fact that um you know everybody just really started growing really attached to these characters and they just started making these characters their own while still um respecting and keeping the original like the integrity of the original Japanese seiyu's performances intact so that's just an amazing skill to have so you guys did all of you did such a fantastic job well, thank you very much we, we we try to do the best that we can and and make it work and sometimes the original the the script doesn't work in Japanese so it's like what they're trying to say you know there's there's different translations so that's why we have to you know, sometimes have to fight for, it's like, this will not translate. Guys, this will not work. We need to do this. And uh, that was one of the things that I was doing with this group because they, they were new uh, to the Evangelion franchise. And so there, I, when we do a scene, I go, I don't, that's an iconic line that they're not saying. You want to do it both ways. Let me do the iconic line. And then you can say the other thing and uh, go with whichever one they finally want to go with. But I do know what the fans will want. <laughs> and they, so they would do that a couple of times. So they were like, good, thanks, let us know that. So that was cool. I still don't know what they went with, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, um, do you have like any favorite episodes or any fond memories of working like, you know, with the rest of the cast and just, you know, doing oh. the original? Yeah, just yeah. with the franchise in general. Favorite episode. Yeah, I mean, so it was it was wonderful. I I love Amanda Winley is is she's out here in in LA as well, and uh, she's family. She's my sister from another mystery, and uh, so we've known each other for thirty years, roughly now, and uh, we just cracked the hell out of each other up. I mean, it was there were some really <laughs> the outtakes are hysterical, and they will never see the light of day except for the ending that I did that uh, uh -huh. that, yeah which is on my youtube channel by the way uh i did a reaction video to it you know 25 years later um and so i, I got that yeah oh man it was it was hysterical because that was real that was not scripted at all it was completely no, it's just improv completely off the cuff because i watched the end and i'm like what is that the what <laughs> I'm just like, holy crap. I said, Matt, can you just open up the microphone for me for a minute? He goes, and go. <laughs> and I just riffed and uh and boom, there you go. And there it is. So it was it was completely off the cuff. But yeah, just just cracking up with everybody. I mean, the thing about uh anime though is you're in the booth by yourself. You're not it's not a group thing like original animation. Um, and that's that's kind of the bummer because you don't get to see other people. You don't get to really hang out and, and, and talk and get that energy uh, with another person. But that's, but when you get to, to hang out, it's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah. yeah, it was great. You also have like any favorite moments of the show that you've done or like, were there like any difficult or challenging scenes that you've had to record? Uh, well, that's, that's a lot of questions there. Yes. Lots and lots of difficult, challenging scenes. Um, but my favorite scene of all time in Ava it was the end, end, end of Rebuild 4. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen it, I'm, you know, we'll go see. But that was my favorite. I was like, going, yes! <laughs> when I saw it, I was like, yes, yes, yes! And he got the hottest pilot, too. Yes, yes! <laughs> I was like, way to go, dude! You know, so it was awesome. Uh, I, I, was, I was incredibly happy with that, the way they wrapped that up. So um, that was my favorite part. 
Um, I've recently been rewatching the entire, like, the original ADB dub because I first I've watched the original Japanese sub, and then I started watching. For me, I've just been lately. I've been going back and rewatching just a lot of classic old school anime from, uh, like eighties, nineties. Like I'm talking, talking. OG, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Sailor Moon, Pokemon, um, Neon Genesis, Cowboy Bebop, and, you know, all of those um, classic anime um, shows. And um, rewatching Evangelion was, um, um, to be honest, um, prior to this year, beforehand, I actually, I've only seen clips. I've seen some of the the biggest, I know a lot about, you know, the plot and the story, and I've seen some clips, like, I've seen a lot of, like, some major scenes that have happened in the series, but um, this is actually my first time watching all of the um, original, like, just how it all started, and um, I just gotta say, I'm just really enjoying and digging just the storytelling, um, you know, the mythologies and how religion is used into the story and how it tackles mental health stuff um and just been really studying the character psychologies because um that's just kind of me though i just really love crafting stories and just um watching media and using it and watching the stuff that i would watch so i can apply it to the stories that i create and just learning more about the human minds because that's just kind of me though i'm just sort of um someone who's just interested in psychology so um seeing these characters struggle with go through so much like i just can't even name everything but it's just really interesting when you watch it again and then you catch like the little easter eggs the bonus stuff that you've might have missed before i catch it so it's just really interesting how you just go back and really analyze and just go back and really see just the subtle nuances and touches that they put into the um, not just the dub but just in the original um, property like when you watch the animation so that's very fun fascinating to watch for me um i didn't mean to go off on like a little like you know well no it's actually it's, it's funny yeah. you that up because i'm i'm all about that too i i love psychology and, and etc i'm a, a coach so i do relationships communication connection and i do dating as well um because i wrote food game a man's ultimate recipe for dating success and uh and i've been doing you know t- teaching dating stuff for deck for 15 years at conventions and, and etc but i'm like i'm trained in nlp i'm trained in bank which is a personality system thing i'm trained in several different uh modalities and and different things that deal with psychology psychiatry etc not i'm not like a psychologist i'm not a psychiatrist i'm a coach and it is it is different but i deal with a lot of these things and I just find it fascinating. I, I find fascinating like the the shortcuts and things that you can do to help somebody get past certain things. And I'm whenever I'm at a convention, I do some uh, a talk called the Reluctant Heroes Journey, and it's uh, it's also a group that I have that I open up for membership, and it's a light, very light coaching, and uh, it's like a very you know low cost membership thing, and it's all about how to be the best possible you. And that's what I coach. That's what I teach. That's what's on my podcast, the Mind Scrambler podcast. Uh, it's all about utilizing your mind for the highest and best for yourself and those around you. And it's not really taught in kind of our realm of you know anime, sci-fi, you know, geekdom uh, per se. You don't really hear a lot about self-improvement. You know, we get a lot of people that, that, you know, they air their grievances on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, but there's nothing there that is helpful, you know, and that's what, that's what my stuff is. So when people follow me and they see my, my YouTube channel or my, uh, my podcast, then they listen to that and they're, they're getting actual coaching. And so I've been able to, to help people. And when like people come to me at the conventions and they go, what you said meant so much to me. And a lot of times things think about, you know, Shinji. And they said, the way you portrayed Shinji, I felt like I had a voice too. And it's been very powerful and very important for me to be able to help people like that. And because a lot of people are not ready to be coached. They're not ready to be shown themselves in a mirror. You know what I mean? 
And if you know psychology, you understand it's like we're projections of each other and, and we're all connected, et cetera. So uh, hopefully I can keep doing that at conventions and, and helping people with my YouTube channel and podcast and more. Sweet. Um, it's just really nice of you to just um, low-key self-promote your little podcast. And I guess that's kind of how it came to be in general. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't do like any advertising or anything. I just, I did it because I, I liked doing it, you know? It's nice. And yeah. I just talk about the things that I'm, I get like a, I see a download, you know, and somebody go, oh my God, this one spoke to me. This is so right. This is, you know, cause I, I give actual tips, tricks, techniques, and tools that you can add to your life that can help you get through certain things. I mean, I've treated people with PTSD. It's, it's like, you know, it's, it's all out there. There, there are tools and I'm constantly looking at, uh, new ideas, new concepts, new things that are being brought out in, in science, in archaeology, in the world that are not being taught. And I'm just like, whoa, what? So uh, I haven't done my podcast in a while because, uh, baby, um, <laughs> if any of you have a baby, you know what I'm talking about. It takes a lot of time. So uh, I want to get back into it and I'm going to go broader with the stuff that I talk about. I'm going to have more interviews with some people as well. I may go interview different people because I've got uh, in my podcast, I've interviewed people like Jennifer Hale and Wendy Lee and Mark Pellegrino and, you know, people who are, and it's all about mindset. It's not about voiceover. It's about mindset. And they're very big into mindset and spiritual and, and uh, you know, self-improvement, et cetera. And I'm going to do more of that. I'm also going to be bringing in some of the really deep stuff that is out there that, that people don't know and they need to know and not being taught. So anyway, yeah. I geek out on this stuff. I see. Um, but it's really nice um, because it doesn't always have to be about voiceover. Um, I, I recently uh, just did an episode with, uh, with Aaron Fitzgerald, which you can watch on my YouTube channel where we That's talk a lot. lot. Yeah, she's, she's amazing. Um, yeah, we just mainly talked about like, you know, the, um, more diversity changes and like representation in the industry and also the spirituality. And we also talked about like just a lot of stuff like the union getting into SAG and whatnot. So um, I just don't want to specifically focus on just, I mean, like these are very important issues that are going on in the voiceover industry, but it's just issues that have been going on with society, society in general. So um, I just felt like having these really deep, important conversations and how it really helps you, um, uh, you know, alongside, it doesn't matter what career you're doing. Like it could be acting, it could be singing, it could be dancing, you know, the, the Hollywood triple threat, um, whatever you're doing, um, as long as it definitely, if there, if you find something and it really intertwines with something that you're doing, um, and how it really personally means a lot to you on a spiritual level, then, oh man, your life, you just like the sky's the limit. You have no idea where your life, you have no idea how much your, how much better your life is going to be if, you know, just passionately talking about the stuff that you do and having these deep conversations with other people about these topics. It's it's just incredibly humbling. And it's just so, just like talking about Evangelion and the deep um, emotional, psychological themes of it. Uh, just talking with it with, a, I just, re I also had on um, Tiffany Grant on my podcast where Asuka. So we were also talking about um, how much the show and how it, um, it really caught on with the, with the anime community and the fandom, like since it, its inception in the 90s and how it managed to have such a huge, huge following um, in the convention scenes and how it relates. It especially um, hits such an emotional point. It really hits home to a lot of um, teenagers and young adults who really relate themselves to the characters that they're portraying because it's not like, oh, these are just cards and characters that are drawing paper. No, like these are like human beings that have emotions. They go through um, trauma, they go through flights and they, a lot of of just so much stuff just hits the fan man like um did you honestly expect the show to like really catch on with the community and for it to just really explode in the like in pop culture the way it did yeah to this very day 
Yeah. At all. I mean, when we did it, it was like, it was done. It was over. Okay, cool. What's next? You know, we're doing, now we're doing this one or we're doing this one. It was just, you know, cause it was such a, it was a smaller thing back then. You know, we didn't have a clue what was going to be happening. Um, and I think it's great that it caught on so well. Uh, the fact that I'm able to go to all these cons and, and end up in Australia for two years, that was because of Evangelion mainly. I mean, I've done hundreds of roles, but though that was, that's, you know, obviously the one I'm, I'm best known for. So yeah, that opens uh, that opens the doors to conventions, and uh, who knows where we'll go next, you know. But it's it's one of those things you can't really tell the future, obviously. But oh, yeah, you know, we've got so many amazing things that we can do. I was I start my you had mentioned something a second ago, um, and I wanted to say one of the things I start with on my talk with Reluctant Hero's Journey is: Do you realize what a miracle you are? Everyone who is born and alive right now is a miracle. It's 4.2 or 4.3 trillion to one is the chance of you even being born. You're not a mistake. There's a reason. And I can go way, way deep into the esoteric and, and really you know, get into it. But the bottom line is there's a reason why you're here, you know? And, and most people don't really, you know, we've, we've all as a human uh, community, have always, why are we here? What's the purpose? Uh, and I think people are starting to figure that out. Um, gets into quantum physics and mechanics and all kinds of you know crazy things that people don't really pay attention to right now. But we're starting to to look and listen and learn. And uh, a lot of that learning is going to be real difficult. <laughs> yeah. it's, it, imp improvement is is very hard sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, yeah, and also goes back to like you know, your career in general, because of Evangelion really did open a lot of doors. Um, it especially helped you, um, you know, become friends with a lot of um, so many amazing voice actors like uh, Tiffany Grant, as I mentioned earlier, um, Allison, Amanda, Matt, and so many others that are just way too many to name. It's just like, it just opened a lot of doors. So when I ask people like, um, did you expect to, you know, have your career take off? Like, did you really expect to get into voiceover or was it, yeah, that they would just say, nope, nope, but I'm just, because every everyone that I've talked to is just like, they've just been so, just incredibly blessed to have have these opportunities and just having you know uh getting these connections with their fans and just um um just having this amazing camaraderie with all of these people um you know getting in touch with the fans who grew up watching the stuff that you actually were involved in and uh, meeting all of meeting these fans at the conventions and um it's just really humbling to see just so much amazing support. Like there's even conventions that are being dedicated to like Evo and a lot of this other stuff that you do. So it's um, just incredibly humbling and heartwarming to see the community give back to you guys for all your hard work, all of this stuff that you've done. And just, yeah, just people becoming really fascinated, fascinated and learning, you know, you guys and just learning more about the people that have made, that brought all of these shows to life in their own little unique, special ways. <laughs> yeah. What's really amazing to me is when people come up to me at a signing or something and they go, hi, I watched your show as a kid. This is my kid. And, you know, they're watching it now. And I'm just like, that's amazing, you know? And one guy came up and go, I watched your show a long, long time ago. This is my son, Shinji. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> you named your kid Shinji? Wow. Okay. That's amazing. That's huh? amazing. Yeah. And uh, it, it really is amazing how it, it just speaks to people on so many levels. And I think there are lessons that you can take away. I mean, one of the things I had um, going in and I tapped into emotionally as actors do is I have my own father issues. You know, we all have daddy issues or mommy issues or whatever. We all got our oh. issues. We can find something in there somewhere because um, none of us are perfect. And um, I felt that and I can see that the, the, I mean, God, my dad was not that bad, please. But, you know, we did have- that. I, I was, yeah. I was kidding. <laughs> nothing getting a robot boy no dad um but it was uh it was interesting that that people can see themselves in the role 
And the thing that I say is like, look, you know, okay, yeah, he's a shiny, I mean, a whiny little fella. Okay, great. We get that. But he still gets in the robot, doesn't he? He still gets in and fights. He's still, he's the reluctant hero. He doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to do anything, but he does it because he loves. And that's the, I think that's the bigger uh, idea of everything that's happening in our world right now is love first, love first. And that will solve, that literally will solve all problems. So what is it that you really love about going to conventions in general? Oh my God, everything. Um, depends on where it is, number one. I mean, gosh, I got to go to Australia, right? So yeah. so I'm eating kangaroo, right? And uh, it was great, by the way. But uh, we get to travel all over the place, you know, whenever we, we can. I mean, um, there's that. You get, I get to try new foods, new places, you know, around, around the world. Uh, I get to meet fans that are, it's just amazing. I get to deliver the message, the reluctant hero's journey, or, or help out with the dating with the guys and uh, don't kill your date and other cooking tips. You know, it's fun things. Or we do the late night, what happens at the con stays at the con, which is also a book that I have on Amazon, by the way. Um, and that's always fun. You know, I just, I, it's a lot of fun. We get to laugh, we get to get together and it's a safe place for everybody to just, you know, hang out. And I, I like that as well. Um, and now I get to bring my, my sons so they can see all the craziness and they're like, Whoa, what is all this? It's amazing. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really fun. And actually one of the, my favorite part is that's where we actually get to hang out with other voice actors. Cause we never really see each other. And it's like, that's the one time we get, if, unless there's a, you know, mixer here in uh, LA or something, it's really at cons where we get to connect. And I, I like that mostly. Yeah. So I'm, um, since we're almost running out of time here, I just wanted to quickly ask you because um, you did react to the original ending from, you know, Evangelion, but, um, and then I've also watched the video that you've reacted to the, uh, a certain awareness PSA that you and Tiffany granted from the mid nineties. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah. So would you like to tell us a little bit about, you know, partaking in that? <laughs> well, sure. Like I said, you know, we do jobs, right? So we were doing a yeah. radio. It was a radio commercial for an AIDS awareness. Um, and yeah. you can watch this on my, uh, my YouTube channel. And yeah. uh, it's, it's all there. It's the real tape. And Tiffany had told me she had this tape for years. And I was like, I, I need a copy of it. Get it to me. She finally uh, gave it to somebody who put it up on YouTube. And then I was able to get a, a, a copy of it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I probably should play that at every con I go to. I think that'd be uh, amazing. So what yeah. it was is basically you're hearing two teenagers and they're they're going at it they're having sex that's it that you're hearing their moaning and uh ooh ahs and all that stuff and then at the end uh she's I think she says that was fantastic or something like that and then i say yeah that was to die for or she or she says i don't i say that was fantastic she says no that yeah that was to die for bum 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 and you know we're a condom shadowing uh yeah it was just like wear a condom. And uh, it was wild because it never aired uh, because you've got this, the, the first thing it says, you hear these two teenagers and it goes, one of these teenagers is killing the other and they don't even know it. Like, what the, what? Whoa. Holy moly, this is a light thing. And so uh, the client who uh, was paying for the whole thing, they uh, they listened to it and they said they can't, we say we we can't air that. You know why? Because it sounded too real. Boom. That's why Tiffany and I were tearing it up. <laughs> it was so funny because I'm in a booth, and you know when you're in a booth, you got your headphones on, you got your microphone there, and there's a glass window here or over to the side or whatever, and you can see other people. This is the first time and only time I've ever been in a room like this. It was that window was open and Tiffany was in the booth across from me facing the same way that way. So I'm looking at the back of her head and then her window opens up to the director. So it was like booth, booth, booth. Never had that set up. Never seen that before in my life <laughs> or since. And it was just so bizarre, uh, you know, to be recording these sounds and everything. And there she is and like, I'm over here looking at her back. It was hysterical. Uh, but uh, yeah, 
So real deal, never aired. <laughs> yeah. And trust me, there's a lot of bizarre stuff out there. Trust me. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So yeah, um, let's see. So how is the pandemic? Um, because I know that a lot of people are, we're still navigating through this whole COVID crisis and now we got like wars that are going on that we cannot ignore. But um, yeah, how is it really, uh, because I know that it hasn't really slowed down for you because you've been pretty consistently busy with VO and uh, this other stuff. So how would you say that it really changed, um, I guess, how your work ethic or just your personal life? Well, everything changed for me. Actually, I didn't work for about six months um, when it happened because uh, I was in Australia and I didn't have my microphone with me. And so in order to do anything, I had to book a studio, take an Uber over there. And uh, where I was in Queensland, it was literally, and I talk about this and other things, I, we manifested this, this whole situation. We were basically in safest place on the planet. Um, there were, they shut everything down for a while, but there was never any masks. My, my kid was in uh, school. Uh, it was great, you know, and I went to studios to, you know, make it all work. So I did a couple of jobs here and there, but really it just kind of went, because everybody hears, oh, he's in Australia. And it's like, oh, he's gone. I'm not dead people, you know? So I had to get my microphone and set up my studio once we got into the new place. Um, and I was able to do that because I had a travel. Uh, this is the part. This is the thing that the pandemic did. It upgraded everybody's setups for voiceover across the, the world, because I used to have this little Apogee mic, which was a USB mic, plug it right into the computer and go. And I did gigs and auditions from all over the world, Italy, Ireland, you know, anywhere. And I used that. Well, now they're like, mm, you can't use that USB mic anymore. You've got to have a cardioid mic. You got to have a better mic. I actually have a, a YouTube uh, video on how to do it from anywhere. And I go through all of this. So that changed uh, everything for the most part. And then suddenly I got my mic back and then I had to connect to everybody and go, hey, I do have a mic. I'm available. We can make this work. And so that was able to make it work. And so that was helpful. And now, you know, I'm back in Burbank, but I'm still recording downstairs. I just did a gig the other day and I'm in the closet downstairs with all the padding and all that. So, you know, some people will have you go into the studio and they're all cool with it now. It's, it's one of these things. It's so bizarre. I'm going to do an actual, uh, a podcast on this too, because it's, it's really is about fear and I don't watch the news. I don't listen to the news. I, I turn it off. I, I, that's the first thing I'll tell any of my clients. I go, stop watching, man. It's just, it's fear porn, man. It's just, it's just fear, fear, fear. And it always has been. Um, I've, I've been watching it for a very, very long time. And I'm like, whoa, uh, but it's gotten worse now. Um, and I just say, you know, get that out of your head and then look around with your real actual eyes and think. It changes the game. It changes the game. Because if you, you're being told what to be afraid of all the time, then you stop and you go, hold up, let me think about this for a minute. Let me do some research on this. Let me look. And it puts you in a place of power rather than a place of, oh my God, what's going on? You know, and that's, that's that question everything, man, always. You know, I've always done that. And uh, that's what I'm going to teach my, my children. And, you know, and then make your own mind up. I think that's the big thing that, that my takeaway from all of this and you know, seeing it firsthand, seeing some interesting things in Australia and seeing the news from a different perspective. Like when you're in the gym, there's the news, you can't get away from it. Oh, it's mind numbing, it really is. So I think that if we get out, out of the fear, then we'll be okay, we'll be okay. But that, that will take some work. Some people are just, they're addicted uh, to fear and you gotta get over that. And that's one of the things I coach, so anyway. Yeah. But uh, bottom line is everybody's game was amped up. So uh, actual voiceover actually um, expanded and got bigger during the pandemic. So I thought that was interesting. And now with everybody having their, their quality upgraded, then they can audition from anywhere, they can, they can work from anywhere and everybody's set up for that now. Uh, so even here in Burbank, a lot of times I don't even go to the studio, I can walk to the studio. And they're like, no, no, we'll do it in your closet, cool. You know, it's nice. Yeah, I remember visiting like Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, like Bang Zoom, like everything is just in Burbank. Um, I remember visiting um, 
I think it was sometime before COVID. It was like November 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um, my mom and I visited, traveled to Burbank for like a convention. And um, yeah, we visited. We just decided, hey, do you want to like drive around to studios? Because th these are the places that, you know, like Disney, Warner Brothers, those are the places that I would love to work in someday. So we did. I took pictures and I think I still have them on my like little Kindle, iPad, something. But yeah, it was a fun little trip. So um, fingers crossed. So um, do you also have uh, like any other favorite shows, like uh, characters that you played over the years? Or actually, what are some TV shows or anything that you're reading or watching right now that you would like to recommend to viewers out there? Uh, gosh, well, I'm, uh, I'm all about sci-fi. I love sci-fi. So The Expanse, just finished that. It was amazing. Of course, I'm a Doctor Who uh, I'm a Whovian, uh, except that I haven't watched since the new Doctor because they don't, uh, apparently it's, it's they changed it on Amazon Prime. It used to be free. Now it's like pay for. I'm like, I'll oh, wait. So I haven't seen anything with the the light, latest Doctor. Uh, but so I love that. Um, I love comedy. Uh, so we just, we just rewatched 30 Rock. Uh, if you've never seen that, it's some, some of the best comedy writing. It's so fast paced. Tina Fey is absolutely brilliant. Um, Oh God, I got a great show. If you have not seen, um, I don't know who Jack Whitehall is, but he's a, he's a comedian uh, and an actor in, in England, in the UK. And he is something called Travels with My Father. Freaking hysterical. And so it's like, if you like travel and food and quirky fun, it's like, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So I really recommend that to everybody. Um, as far as my own work, I don't watch it. I don't watch my own work, uh, never have. So I've, I've never seen Evangelion <laughs> from the way that people have seen it. I've seen it from my scene to my scene to my scene. So I know what's going on, but I've, I've never watched it fully uh, because I just, I, I don't watch my own work. I, I'm too, oh, it's awful <laughs> to me. I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, I could have done that better, you know? Oh, yeah. It's the yeah. self-critical mindset where it's like, oh, wow, I, yeah. ooh, why did they choose this take? Or like, oh, I wish I could have done this, like, in a yeah. different take, like, in a different, yeah. yeah. But, oh, you know, yeah. What, I, what I tell people when I'm coaching them in voiceover, I'm saying, you got one job. You have one job. So listen up. Your job is to make the director happy. Yeah. So what actually got you into coaching real quick? Um, my wife, actually. Um, well, no, I take that back. So when I was, uh, when I moved out to LA, it was because of a divorce and a bankruptcy. I literally lost everything and started over. Um, that's, that's in my book. And so I had to rebuild myself from the ground up. Now I had always been into personal development, but um, this was like, okay, here you, you're into personal development. Let's see what you got. And I was at absolute rock bottom, moved to LA knowing four people and started over. And I was like, I have no idea what I'm gonna do. And I was a wreck for a good year or two. I was, I was pretty much a wreck. And I, was, I made a decision I said, I can keep doing this or I can get better. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So I started uh, reading and training and, and learning about dating and relationships and being the best husband, father, boyfriend, lover, anything, all of that, uh, to be the best human being I could be. And it was a bumpy ride, man, for a while. And so, so after a couple of years, I finally was like, oh, dude, I, I got this. I finally figured it out. And I started, that's why I wrote the book, the dating cookbook, basically. It's called Food Game, A Man's Ultimate Recipe for Dating Success, because uh, that's what I know. And that's what I've been teaching at conventions for a long time. And I did it through food because I cooked. So, um, and I found that I really just wanted to share that with guys because I knew how painful it was for me uh, being lonely and you know, I can't take this, you know, and I wanted to be able to be, uh, to help other guys to, you know, not be so, you know, awkward or lonely and sad and, and angry and et cetera, et cetera. So we had, I helped them out with that. So I was coaching, but I wasn't actually coaching. I wasn't being paid to be the coach, but when I do a convention and I would have that class, I was coaching, you know, so I've coached thousands and they'd come back up after and go, dude, that one thing you just told me, man, that is so cool. That is so awesome. I'm going to use that. And I find out later, they go, I used it. It was great. Oh my God, it works. You know, like, of course it works. I know these things. Um, and then when I met my wife, 
exactly the way I say in, in the book, actually, she, she wrote a uh, forward for my book because I met her with a food game. <laughs> That's exactly how I met her. And um, so that works. Well, she is a high performance coach now. So we both kind of got on the coaching thing and she went to learn uh, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, uh, which is kind of the basic basis for all of Tony Robbins uh, coaching and teaching and several other you know uh, coaches out there. And so then I did, and I was like, okay, this is really cool. I can use this. And then we just kept going, got another thing, and she did another thing, and another thing, and another thing. And I was just like, you know what? I really like sharing these things. I like helping people. May, may all do some coaching. So I've been doing coaching uh, with her. I coach corporate people. I coach voiceover. I coach dating. I coach relationships, communication, connection, um, you know, all of that. And mindset, uh, really subconscious work is, is big with me. And I just, it's my mission statement in life has always been, I want to bring laughter and inspiration to millions. That's my, my mission statement. And uh, I, I know it brought laughter and some inspiration through anime and stuff, but that's not enough. That's not me actively, actively doing it. So I know I can help. And uh, so that's what I do. And I, I enjoy it. I just really enjoy sharing the things that I find. That's that's kind of my geek out. When I talk to you about, uh, you know, some of the different things in psychiatry, psychology, etc., um, or just it's really neuroscience of the mind is what's really out there, and it's really cool. And I, I like to geek out on that. And when I so when I bring something, I say, "Oh, dude, I just found this thing. It just blew my mind. Let me tell you." And then walk through. How does this work with your mindset? How does this work with who you are, etc. And uh, yeah, I just, I think it's knowledge is really our way out. Um, once we get knowledge, and a lot of time that knowledge is really hard to hear. And so we have to have open minds. And we don't have open minds right now in our society. It's really, really hard. You say one thing and you're attacked. If it doesn't jibe 100% perfectly with whatever that person already believes. So if I ask a question, people are like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, aha, aha, I got you. Because if you have that emotional reaction, you do not have an open mind. Boom. Boom. <laughs> Social media. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. Don't even get me started. I don't, I'm not going to even get started there. I'm so, <laughs> it's, oh so, my gosh. Anyway, that's, that's what I do. And that's what I like. I, I really enjoy that. So, um, yeah, I just enjoy sharing. Yeah. Um, do you have, um, let's see. So let's talk about, um, I know you said that the future is, it's I've still sort of uncertain. Oh, yeah. So, it's still uncertain. Yeah. Right, so go. you mentioned that the future is still a bit uncertain. So is there anything that you'd like to talk about, like any upcoming work or like, I don't know, any future conventions or whatever you've got going on, like um, that we can expect to see from Mr. Spike Spencer that well, is currently not under NDA? <laughs> well, that's the problem. I never know what's under NDA and what isn't. So I don't say anything about anything I've done. Um, I've done some some different gigs that have come out, I think, but I don't know. So just look for me and, and, and you know, Google me because as soon as I find out, I'll put it on my website, uh, on my resume. You can go on my website, uh, spikespencer.com slash resume, and you'll see everything that's not a lot of it's not even on IMDb yet. I need to get some of those on there. But uh, there's hundreds of roles in all kinds of different uh, arenas. And, you know, main thing is that I like is I just say the stuff that I'm doing, like um, doing a podcast uh, with my wife. Uh, so we're going to do a relationship podcast. So that's going to be coming out. So look for on my socials for that. Um, I've got a Facebook fan page, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all the, all the good stuff. And of course, my YouTube channel, which I have woefully neglected uh, that I need to get more videos out there. But, um, you know, those are the things that I am doing now that are happening. As far as conventions go, I just got back to the States. So I've been reaching out to conventions and, and we've been looking because it's like, hey, guys, I'm back. You know, I haven't been to a convention in the United States in two freaking years. So, you know, some of them are like, going, oh, hey, OK, great. So I'm not I haven't saturated any market. Uh, so hopefully if you want me to appear at a con near you, let them know, let them know. So get Spike Spencer here right now, biatch. And, uh, and I'll, I'll show up if I can. Um, I can't say that I'm, I got one that I'm booked in, but we haven't finalized everything yet. So, 
Uh, that'll be in May in the East Coast. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I know that. And uh, other than that, I'm just, I'm still getting my, my U.S. legs back on again because, you know, being back here in Burbank and I've been, we've been incredibly busy uh, with all kinds of, you know, personal family stuff. And of course, you know, I got my baby who sits right here almost <laughs> all the time. Uh, you know, so we were really busy and uh, loving every minute of it. It's just, uh, yeah. So if you if you want me to con, let them know. Yeah, I'm hoping to go to at least a couple this summer, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. But um, yeah, what's something about yourself that a lot of people don't know? That any fun facts or anything? Well. Uh, the cooking thing is, is usually something that pe- a lot of people don't know, but, uh, let's see. I live in Oklahoma. Oh, uh, some people don't know. I have uh, stood in the eye of a hurricane. I've been through two tornadoes. Um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, I have done a lot of things. Uh, actually on my LinkedIn profile, I have a whole lot of them. <laughs> I just list them down. I went jet boating in New Zealand. I, uh, you know, I've eaten, like I said, eaten kangaroo. I've driven out of the outback. I've uh, uh, all kinds of different crazy things. Had my pocket picked in Barcelona and I picked it right back. Um, you know, all kinds of crazy things. That's some of these are actually in my book. Uh, what happens at the con stays at the con. Uh, available on Amazon now. Go get it. Go get your copy. So yeah, those are some things. Uh, gosh, I don't even know. I mean, <laughs> Uh, I have a lot of crazy things that I've done in my life and I'm just getting started. So, um, yeah, I have had fun. What's your last piece of advice that you have for anybody who wants to give this whole crazy acting career a shot? And yeah, where do you expect like the industry, like where do you expect things to go moving forward into for the rest of this year, at least? Well, Any last piece of advice? Same place it's been going for a while. I mean, it's just, it's getting with the internet, when, when the internet came out and started happening, it's like, going, oh my gosh, now anybody can get into voiceover. And because it used to be, you had to go through an agent and, and these very, very small doors. And now everybody can. It's like, yay, everybody can do it. Oh crap, everybody can do it. You know, because it's like, yeah, you can, but now you've got to be in charge of your business. And I think that's, that's the big key is if you want to get into it, understand it is a business and it's called voice acting. So the first thing you do is take acting classes. Very big, very big. And remember, it is a business. And so you will have to market yourself. You will have to brand yourself. You do all these different things you have to do. Um, and it's, that's if you want to be professional. And that's the key. Uh, for some people, it just kind of happens. They just kind of fall into it. And that's amazing. That's wonderful. It wasn't me. I, I have had to bust my butt and, and market, market, market. And most actors do you know, cause it is a business. I mean, once you hit a certain level, they just, they come find you and, and throw money at you. And that's great. I haven't hit that level yet. So I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> Dope. Yeah. Would you like to do an, yeah. Would you like to do an outro for the podcast? Uh, sure. What do you want me to say? Well, you could say, hi, my name is Spike Spencer. I do this and this and this and this, and you're watching the station square podcast, the station square podcast. All right. Yeah. Everybody, it's Spike Spencer here. You probably know me best as, uh, as Shinji from Evangelion, possibly Colonel Kled from League of Legends, and many other things. You are listening to the Station Square Podcast. Enjoy. Hey, with your host, Robert Jackson. The Price is Right theme music plays in the background. Perfect. But yeah, Perfect, thank you for... Thank you, Spike, for coming on to the podcast. Do you have like any final words or farewells to all the people out there, either as yourself, as our dear old good boy, Spike, or, or Shinji, or yeah, just anything? You know, just remember, like I said before, you're a freaking miracle. Go out there and have a fantastic, beautiful day. Make somebody happy. Do some kindness. And uh, yeah, stop watching the news. Yeah, and what would, let's see, what would Shinji say to close out the podcast? In the robot! (laughs) Best meme! Okay, and with that, um, this is Robert Jackson. Thank you for watching the podcast. Um, This should be up sometime over the weekend, um, so stay tuned. It'll be up on YouTube, 
SoundCloud, whichever social media platform I'm on. I mean, everything will just be in the description by the time this goes up. But until then, have a lovely rest of the weekend. Happy Easter, everyone. And um, yeah, do you have like any Easter plans real quick? No. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't even know myself. So yeah. Some rabbit stew. I'm going to hunt me a wabbit. Uh, <laughs> All right. But anyways, thank you and uh, have a good day. And right. yeah, peace out, everyone. Bye. Bye See you later. Bye-bye.